Hi, this is Skip Stewart, Vice President, Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare, and this is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital, DeSoto. And hey, everyone. This is Kimberly Young, and I'm the vice president of financial operations for Baptist Memorial Healthcare Corporation. Well, we are so incredibly honored today to have a good friend, Jim Hunsinger from Lean Frontiers. And he's going to be speaking to us today about something we call lean accounting. Uh, Jim, for those that are not familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your background and about your company? Sure. Thank you, Skip. Uh, Yeah, my background, actually, my background is in engineering and operations. I came out of school as I took a position as a manufacturing engineer and kind of came up through operations management, engineering management ranks. Now, how does that connect with accounting? Well, one of the things I had to do in during one of the by the largest transformation I went through is doing a financial analysis on the changes. And that got me deeply involved with uh, an accounting system um, at a company I was working for at that time. And I found a lot of issues with it. So when I did my master's degree, I took a thesis route and researched what we would call today lean accounting. So that's kind of how I got involved with it. And eventually that turned into from, you know, my, I guess, part of my career in operations and manufacturing. Um, I started the company Lean Frontiers, uh, launching the first lean accounting summit um, in 2005. And we just kind of grew organically into a variety of um, different subject matters under the lean enterprise, but with accounting being the first one that we ventured into. And that became Lean Frontiers. Well, Jim, once again, thank you very much for being here. And uh, I have to admit that when I when I found out what the topic was going to be that we we're going to be talking about, and it was lean accounting, I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I don't know, I, I know a little bit about lean and process improvement, and and although I'm I'm very early in in my uh, journey, I, I know very very little about lean accounting, and you know. The whole concept of lean is is providing value for the patient, you know, eliminating waste. And we we think of we think about that as we're providing service or built or making products for our customers. But we do, we don't think about the behind the scenes accounting work that's done. And so uh, and also, I'm very glad to have my good friend Kimberly on here because she she's she's a wonderful accountant and, and she has helped me. Uh, you know, if ever I have questions about a balance sheet or anything, I'll I'll shoot her a text or give her a call, and she's always really really good to help me. But but what what is lean accounting? Um, I guess from my perspective, and I guess through the course of all this, Kimberly certainly jump in and and make corrections on me again, since I'm an engineer, not an accountant. But um, really, from a lean accounting perspective, it's about trying to take I guess. Um, cost information, financial information, and have it accurately reflect what you're doing in your business. I guess regardless of what your business is, you want an accurate reflection of what your costs are, you know, for internal purposes and also obviously for external purposes, particularly if you're a public company, um, that you need that accurate um, uh, reporting on. So what, what I, in my background, what I found out is particularly more from the internal side because we're making decisions and most organizations do make decisions based on financial information. We had incorrect financial information and that's what we're making our decisions on. And that was very disturbing to me. Um, 
So what I wanted to do is try to figure out, you know, why, you know, why is that? Why is this information coming up, financial information incorrectly? And then what are, I guess we might say in lean terms, what are our countermeasures so we could come up with ways where we would have accurate and viable information to help us in our decision making, um, really from all aspects of the business, business management of the organization. Sure. And, and um, you know, obviously the accounting uh, organizations use use accounting to to make decisions to you know uh, evaluate their performance, evaluate their position, evaluate you know their cash on hand and whatnot. And does traditional traditional accounting, the way we think of it, does it does it not truly reflect what might be going on in, in a lot of these organizations that are truly trying to uh, to practice lean? Yeah. Potentially it can, and, and I guess let me obviously let me explain a little further. Um, so again, kind of in my background, what I found out is particularly internally, uh, I worked for a manufacturing company, and we manufactured all all our internal components as uh, engine components. Um, and at the aggregate level, certainly we had good, you know, overall good financial information because it was all at the large aggregate level. But as we looked into the organization and different components we manufactured we would have cost information on those individual components, in this case, individual engine components. And that could be really any type of um, in product or even service as you parse down in your organization. And the way we accumulated costs on those individual items, in this case, was done through um, 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 based on overhead allocation. So the problem with that was, is the way we allocated the overhead and what made it up was not an accurate reflection of what the particular components in this case consumed from resources, hence giving us the wrong cost information. And uh, the way I came out, found, figured that out, at least figured out there's a problem. One particular product family, I was getting the, it was a, a single part, but there is a, you know, we had like a, about 40 different variations of that particular part. This say a crankshaft. And what I found out was our cost, internal costing on that, one, it was about a, million, a volume of a million of these things a year. And of the 40-some part numbers, one was about almost 70% of the volume. And then we had another one that was under 3% of the volume. And the one that was very you know low percent of the volume showed it, it was significantly less expensive than the one of higher volume. And the one of lower volume also had a variety of extra processes on it that were actually very expensive processes. So that was the indicator to me that told me that our costing information was not accurate. And then I, I dove on in further from there over the course of a number of years to figure out, you know, what are the I guess, what are the components of that deeper components of why the, that information was incorrect? So it's really that allocation process that can be flawed in, in the traditional ways we often do accounting or internal cost accounting. So Jim, my experience with cost accounting is really trying to break down the services that we're providing, whether they're in our clinic or in our hospitals, so that we can really identify when we're saving costs. You know, not necessarily each time we eliminate a position do we save cost. So from a lean accounting perspective, really, Again, we're trying to create value for our customer. We're trying to drive out waste. Uh, we can use the cost accounting principles, but I, I, I kind of view lean accounting really as looking at the flow of a situation, 
looking at the flow of a project or a business system and helping to determine is that flow appropriate? Are there uh, are there design flaws in how we're doing our business and how can we drive out waste and improve productivity for those individual you know, team members involved? So we're creating value at the end of that value stream, which is really for our patient. Do you, I mean, do you have any any input on that or have you seen examples of that maybe in your work or the folks that you've been exposed to? Yeah, I, I certainly believe so. And yeah, I absolutely agree with that because ultimately, ultimately we're trying to serve our customer, whether that's a patient if you're in healthcare or in that case, the business I've been in my past, you know, ultimately we're supplying people, I guess, with lawn mowers or generators or things like that. You want to service those customers. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is have a, a, an accurate information of the costing, whether it's the production or supportive function as well, to make sure we're adequately providing that service so there's always two kind of components and somewhat i guess in the i guess the, the lean accounting community sometimes we'll say lean accounting or sometimes we'll say accounting for lean meaning lean accounting may be um uh, applying um i guess lean techniques to some of the processes you might use in accounting to just help help you make more efficient in those processes and then accounting for lean is is kind of looks more at does the information we provide um, from a accounting or financial perspective, does that provide good decision making information for many like many of the things you you mentioned? So we can make good analysis. So a combination of, you know, you can go out, you can go to the Gimba, again, healthcare, service, manufacturing, and can you observe, are you creating good flow paths? Um, a very tangible view and analysis of what things are going on to make those improvements. And the other thing is, at least in my past, we use accounting with accounting should or the financial information, maybe I'll say it that way, should be very reflective of what's going on and the, and the improvements you make. Now, again, depending on the circumstance in the industry, sometimes it can be easier or more difficult to funnel some of that financial information in a particular you know, slice of the organization. And that, that again, that can vary um, on the type of industry, the type of um, I guess focus you're doing on the organization. But basically, what you just said is trying is working to accommodate that in an effective manner. And I think um, you know, for the two accounting people that have dialed into um, the episode, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sure there's many, many more <laughs> that they're dialing into this episode. I, I want to make sure. Our financial folks are not afraid to get involved in that lean accounting process with operations people. I think it's a it's a natural marriage of of expertise. And I think what we bring to the table is we can help look at that overhead cost, look at that that direct cost, make sure we're providing that accurate information to the operations people so that they know, hey, maybe we need to look for cheaper supplies. Maybe we need to increase the productivity of our labor. Maybe we need to change the expertise or the mix of our of our labor pool. So, you know, I, I have found that to be the most rewarding work that I've ever done is really sit down with a group of folks that are trying to solve a problem, uh, trying to figure out why it take, you know, takes so much resources and costs so much money. And that we really, really try to drive those costs out and not be afraid to step in that operations world and work with that, 
that team of folks, those engineers, those sales marketing people, the doctors, the nurses, and really help understand what they're doing and give them meaningful information that will translate into tangible items, tangible actions that we can take to improve, you know, the whole value that we're here for, you know, to taking care of our patients or to creating the new widget or whatever that is. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And actually have a, a personal example on, on, again, a lot of my stuff comes from a manufacturing background. Uh, we were doing a uh, um, setup reduction workshop exercise and actually the the company accountant came out to participate in that and participated in actually in this press changing the die and going through all that process and implementing the new techniques. And, um, you know, a comment out of him was that he really enjoyed this week and a comment out of a couple of his financial analysts back up in the office said, boy, that's the happiest I've seen him in a long time. But so he had not only enjoyed it, but it gave him that, like you said, it gave him that direct intimate understanding of the operations, of the people in the operations, what their what you know issues they have, what they're trying to go through in order to be more effective and more efficient. So it just allowed him to think things through more. So when people come and ask him questions, particularly from the financial perspective, he's in a better position of understanding and can help give them not even necessarily financial information, but just advice and direction and things like that on to help them on where they know should they should target to improve. Jim, I was, you know, something that I was thinking about and I had I had asked Kimberly about this morning in some of the books that I'm reading. And, and uh, you know, once again, I know very, very little about finance and accounting, but you know, one of the big things in in lean manufacturing or, or lean anything is, you know, one piece flow, decreasing uh, um, inventory and, and, and things like that. And in all these books that I'm reading, the, the finance and accounting guys would say, OK, you know, all these strategies that we're we're trying to um, to implement, you know, and for a while, it's going to make us look worse on our balance sheet. Explain that. Explain that to me. Yeah, a lot of that comes out of, um, I guess, the fundamental thing is economies of scale. Um, and again, Kimberly may be able to correlate this to, the, you know, hospital healthcare setting. But what we what we tend to do, again, traditionally, is we'll buy. It could be equipment or facilities. You know, again, in any of those environments, and we actually we actually, in a sense, buy more capacity than we really need. So um, as as we make improvements, we buy more capacity, it has more capability than what our demand is, our customer demand is and all that. But again, that's that's again a contributor to one of the allocation problems is you have this this capital outlay more than you should. So now you got to distribute that capital outlay across, you know, I guess, your particular products and so forth um, to do that. And if you and as you improve, a lot of times you don't make the volume across particular, you know, particular capital equipment or capital outlay. So your output for that, for that specific capital outlay gets worse. Now you really haven't spent anymore because you've already spent that money. But when you do the particular um, item or product or service, all of a sudden it's guys, we're not getting as much output through this particular uh, capital item than we were before. So that makes that definitely makes your financial look much worse and sometimes significantly worse. And that's one of the key aspects, backing up a little further from an engineering, again, whether you're designing, a, I guess, a hospital or a manufacturing line, we'll call right sizing. 
can you right size it to what your needs truly are? And again, that's often easier said than done. But if you do that, what it does, it drives your capital outlay much, much lower, which is if you're driving to one piece flow, ideally you're designing the system to design one piece at a time or manufacture, produce or service one piece at a time instead of instead of, you know, a, a higher volume, 100, 1000 pieces at a time. And that in that'll drive you to spend less capital overall to keep your out your capital per output at a lower level and much more much more aligned it also helps you if your volume does increase you can increase your capital outlay incrementally and yeah. maintain and usually somewhat improve because you're always doing improvements of what that capital outlay is per your your output and by output especially in a healthcare system i don't want it to sound cold and harsh because in in healthcare you're servicing and helping people it's not I guess the same thing even manufacturing, even though you're making widgets, you're doing it to service your customers, to provide them with some um, value for whatever need they may have. I know in the past when we've been approached uh, possibly for a new service line or a new way to to work through, um, you know, an existing service line. The first thing I feel like operations people want to do is they want to throw more FTEs at a situation, which makes somebody like me, you know, break out in hives a little bit because throwing additional labor doesn't always solve the problem. But certainly as we take a step back and we we look at, well, possibly it would if we're fully productive and we're as lean as we can. So we're creating additional capacity we have the demand to meet it, then additional FTEs might certainly be, you know, the answer to our bottleneck problem in the emergency room or in the OR. And those seem to be the two places where I visualize flow is ultimately important from creating value, driving down waste and really boosting our profitability. So I don't, I don't know if you've had a conversation directly about labor before, but that seems to be the topic that causes the most consternation, you know, in our or our, I guess, in our world, because that's that's our biggest expense is our mm -hmm. labor expense. And balancing that is truly a balancing act. I mean, it's it's an art almost. Yeah, 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 exactly right. And yeah, I, yeah, um, have experience in that arena um, and are kind of around this is is obviously that's that's where the, the concept of flow and continuous improvement are absolutely critical. And this this rolls into the whole, um, um, I know when you guys have discussion with Skip, of course, the whole culture thing, because you want your people to be as effective and efficient as possible. But that absolutely does not mean, you know, driving them to do um, unreal, unacceptable, um, burdensome things. Actually, you want the opposite to happen. Um, so that's why the concept of flow and continuous improvement becomes so important to make them more, more efficient and actually make their job easier so if you do good good work of designing jobs or work or what they're doing and the tools around them and all that they can get more done with less effort and if i could take that and, and blow it up into more from an economic standpoint is so if you look at something like the united states we're the most productive civilization that has ever existed and we have um especially for our population we have some the, the highest level of incomes and things like that again even in history but yet we're the most productive with that so the more important thing is not necessarily 
paying people, although obviously if you if you work for a company and especially you're the financial person, that's something that's important, but to make it so your system is more productive and that's what ultimately drives down the cost. That drives down the cost, but also it allows people's incomes and other things to go up. So that's the key is, is, is making things more productive while also servicing your customer and servicing your employees. And even for that matter, even your um, um, trying to service your supply base and things like that. Yeah, Dr. Mason, I think particularly of, of the emergency room, and I know you've experienced this down um, at DeSoto, is decreasing those left without being seen and increasing or, or actually decreasing the time in the emergency room so your length of stay, whether you're discharged or whether you're admitted to the room um, and, and looking at that push and pull between the departments, creating that value for that next uh, part where the, the patient's going to end up, whether it's outside your hospital or where it's inside in a, in a room. Uh, and then again, the OR, we've got times in the OR where maybe we don't have a surgery scheduled and we've got some lag in productivity. And so just managing that and driving that waste down, that's certainly hard to do because you can't fill every second in an OR with a case. You know, there's turnaround time and there's there's patient, you know, scheduling issues and so forth. But, you know, those are the areas that that sort of jump in my mind from a labor productivity and, and a management standpoint. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's so important to, to look at that, look at the flow of that patient from the time that they hit the door until they walk out the back door and, and, you know, truly do value stream mapping and what, you know, what parts of this patient's visit are non-value added. And, and, and those are the thing, you know, we, for so long, we focused on the value added, uh, parts of the process to make those better when when really we need to be focusing on those those non-value added uh, steps and what can we do to either eliminate those or or at least shorten them down for sure yeah that's a good that's a good yeah. perspective and 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 jim i had a question for you you know when you organizations that that are making a lean transformation or or practicing lean um, in the accounting departments or the finance departments are, are still doing business as usual. And I don't, I don't mean that in, in, in a bad way. It's just they're doing things the way they've always been doing things. Can that coexist? Can, can they coexist together? Or is it going to have to be no, no accounting, no finance. You're going to have to change the way you do things and the way you look at things. Um, yeah, they can, and, and often they simply have to because you get you can't you can't just flip the switch and you know all of a sudden everything's changed. Also, all of a sudden everybody knows how to work in this new environment and all that. So definitely um, making the uh, process improvements is a process in and of itself, which you. You know, you have to take in consideration, you know, what are the objectives of the organization? You know, what are what are what's some maybe low hanging fruit? What are some things related to the objectives where we may where an organization may need to spend their time first because it's just maybe a more critical part of the business or maybe a more hurting part of the business that we need to take a look at. And so you got to go through all that type of analysis as well as with your people. You need to help your people, manage your people through it. 
um, spend the time, help them with the information, um, set things up where you can, because it's also a learning process. Again, even when you set up a process and all that, it's all, always iterative that you run experiments, learn from them. So that's all part when you get into things like I know you guys use Kata and TWI to help give people the tools and the skills so they can go through that process and go through the learning process. And they're part of the process. And they're certainly, you know, a big part of the countermeasures in order to get to get you through those objectives. And, as you know, you both are plenty experienced. You can't flip the switch overnight and you got to allow people uh, and the organization as a group of people to go through those processes and make decisions on where to spend the time and what the best um, process for your change is to happen. I'm always real excited when I hear that one of our CFOs is involved in Kata projects, because I think, you know, number one, like you said before, Jim, it kind of gets them out of their normal world. There'll always be debits and credits. There's always going to be monthly and close and budgeting, but can we streamline certain things that we've always done the same way in the past so that we're more efficient, we're more productive, we have time to engage in these types of projects with our operations people and therefore we're increasing the knowledge of our our financial staff and we're bettering our whole organization because we've now got that lean accounting perspective and we're constantly looking at ways to do things better. So I'm super excited about uh, when I when I find out the CFOs are, are working on a team and a and and while they may roll their eyes at first, I think nobody ever walks away from one of those projects and says, "I wish I'd never been involved in that," because they always learn something. And there's so much paperwork and and processes that we like to hold on to because we've always done it this way. That I think it, it is a new way of looking at doing business, and we need to embrace that. If our organization's going to be lean that it has to flow all the way down through the finance group, which you would think that that would be an easy, you know, group yeah. for it to embrace, but it, it's not always the case. I, I, I totally agree, Kimberly. And, and the finance, you, you finance and accounting people, you folks are smart and, and you guys bring a lot, you know, you bring a perspective to, to the project or what's going on that, that, that we may not, us clinical folks, uh, may not be able to see. And so, yes, you know, we, we, we welcome that and we definitely need, need more of that, uh, input from you guys. Yeah. And I, I would even add on to that is also that, inf- that information loop flows the other way. Not only do the finance and accounting people learn about those things, but the other, the other thing is people in operational, whether that operation could be a doctor, could be administrative person, could be manufacturing personnel or manufacturing supervisor, they start learning from the financial people, you know, what is important? Why is this information important? What does the organization do with this uh, information to make better business decisions? So you get both those flows of information going and everybody gets more learned through the process. Absolutely. I got a a question for you. Um, and, And I was asked this question very early on Uh, when I assume this role at corporate is, can you help me define the cost of quality? Kimberly, can you help me, you know, put some numbers down to what we're really doing and how we're really improving quality. I really need to show that 
to people. And I think it would be more meaningful if I can assign some value to that. So what would be what would be your response to help me out? That's a great I, question. Yeah, it's, it is a good question. What what I'd certainly I mean, I'll pr- probably in a way kind of throw back to you are what what are the things for your organization that are important from a cost of quality? And that probably has to do with the organizational exec, exec, uh, objectives and also your customer, in this case, certainly patients. What are the things that are important to patients? So first it'd be as an organization is to find out what those what those are. And then obviously once you and that takes a lot of analysis to figure out, you know, those well. Then the next thing is, okay, how do we know we're measuring or what aspects of that that we're measuring and are we measuring it so we can get a good feedback on it? So there's there's really kind of a lot of upfront work that you really need to get to the point so you can then you can articulate that back into the organization. And also that transcends down through the organization. So what does that mean to a manager? What does that mean to a doctor? What does that mean to a nurse? What does that mean to, uh, you know, an administrator? You know, what are those parameters around that? So that's a good question, but it's actually also one that certainly takes a good bit of thought and analysis to make sure you pick the right ones, you do get good data on them, and then you transcend that information to people and whatever level they're at and impact they have in the organization. You know, uh, actually, just to build on that, that line of of subject has been out there for a long time. There's even many books written on the cost of quality. And I'm going to date myself, but about 30 years ago, I... uh, as a, a new quality engineer, industrial engineer, I, that was one of my first assignments. But what I found is many times we got caught up in the analysis paralysis uh, yeah. mode, and, and it wasn't necessarily beneficial. I think the thing that's even more beneficial, just to build on something all of you were talking about, is uh, whether you realize it or not, many of you said the word people so many times throughout this conversation, people, people, people. You know, recently a a friend of mine, Dr. Edgar Schein said, Skip, if you think about it, life is a series of conversations and everything happens through people and through relationships. And what I get so inspired about with, with Kimberly's leadership is people are willing to share their ideas, they share their thoughts. And that's important because if all you do is look at credits and debits, there's no system out there that can't be gamed, that right. can't be be fooled for some point. What you really want is you want people to give Kimberly answers to questions that she's not even thinking about asking, yep. where they say, hey, Kimberly, have you ever looked over this rock? You know, we seem to spend a lot of money here or we seem to do a lot of activities here, but we don't actually use that very often, you know. And so I was so thankful that all of you kept on saying people, people, people. Um, well, listen, we have come to our, kind of our time on the podcast. And Jim, you and I talk a lot. I know we do a lot of what I call drive down the road uh, phone calls. And yeah. and I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for you, Jim, and so thankful for Kimberly and, and her leadership and you, Dr. Mason. And and uh, I think it's going to have to have these conversations for us to uh, continue to find that opportunity to. I liked how you. How did you say that again, Jim? You said lean accounting and 
accounting for lean. Accounting for lean. I like I like yeah. that analogy a lot um, because the, it's looking at things from two different perspectives, yeah. right? How do we improve our processes inside of accounting? But then how do we make sure that our accounting information is depicting reality as close as possible? Yeah. You know, and supporting so. supporting the other lean activity in the organization. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for your time. I'm so thankful that uh, Kimberly came on to be a, a co-host. Uh, we had Kimberly on back in the summer, and it was our one of our most listened to podcasts that we had. So we are incredibly blessed to have her as a as a leader. And I just want to thank all of y'all today for being on the podcast. And uh, just thank you so much for your time. All right. Well, thank Thanks, you, Jim. Skip. And thank you, thank you uh, Dr. Mason and Kimberly. Um, and you guys as a as a team and as an organization, keep up doing what you're doing because you're certainly one of the leaders out there in this arena. So thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Thanks. Jim.